This is Everyday Photography Every Day, where you get to listen in on a chat between a photographer, that's me, and a regular human. That's me. With an eye on making your pictures amazing. No technical stuff, no talk of gear or software, just photography for the love of it. We're sponsored by Neomodern.com, bringing concierge photo printing and framing to everyone with a smartphone. I'm Suzanne Fritz Hansen, enthusiastic iPhone picture taker. And I'm Michael Rubin, photographer, founder of Neomodern, and grumpy old man, and we're in San Francisco tonight. Welcome. Hey, uh, I'm here today with my friend and consummate professional, Fred Van Johnson. Hey, Fred. Hey, man. How's it going? It's good to see you. And They can't see you, but I see you. You look great. A virtual wave out to the audio listeners. That's that's perfect. And I'm sorry Suzanne's not with us today, <clears throat> it being the holidays and all. She's off holidaying. Uh, why aren't you out holiday? What, are you going anywhere? Are you going to? We just got back. We were in Hawaii a couple of weeks ago, you know, burning money. So now, <laughs> now our wings are kind of clipped as we try to, you know, buy our gifts. So we're not going anywhere. We're going to. We're gonna hang around, hang out around the fireplace, and sing songs and play spades. That's it. <laughs> that sounds like a great vacation. I wish I was doing that. Yeah. Um, okay, so for yeah. our, for our um, listeners who don't know you, is it possible that anyone doesn't know you in the audio, in the photography world? It is one hundred percent possible. Uh, but I can give you my I can give you my trapped in an elevator with Frederick speech. Yes, if you want. yes. <laughs> I I would love to be trapped in an elevator. I mean, um, well, first of all, we've known each other for probably a decade or two. I don't know. Which is crazy. Yeah, you sent me that picture a while back of us hanging out at the it was at some TED conference oh, down in Monterey. We were at yeah. the um at the aquarium during the conference and we were there were like water beds and air mattresses all over the aquarium and we were it was laying ridiculous. around. God, but that <laughs> yes. wasn't Was that where I met you or was it even before that during uh sort I of peach each other before then? Uh, but that was the night I met what's her what's her name that uh that artist, um, artist, uh, Frau Frau or Fru Fru. Fru She performed. Fru. She performed at that TED. Yeah. 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 I remember, I don't you were with us. I think you were with us afterwards because we had all gone out to some bar in Monterey and she was with us and I was like, hey, I'm a big deal. I'm hanging with a musician <laughs> that did the Shrek soundtrack. And, uh, and I remember trying a cigar for the very first time huh. you know and i and everyone's like passing the cigar around and i'm like okay let me try it too i don't want to be the kid that like and i i inhaled that thing all the way into my toes man <laughs> did you did you like just lose it or did you hold it oh it was it was over after that it was like i was having a good time sipping on a jack daniels or whatever and then it was after that smoking that thing the wrong way obviously mm. i remember just like you know how in your brain you're like counting okay i can make it back to the room if i leave right now <laughs> how how many steps is it to get back to the room you know? Damn. my brain went into you, self-preservation you look with, how do i get out of you situation look, mode you look good with a cigar i think that would suit you no yeah. like just a, like a, a kind of Ar on my feet, right? <laughs> arnold schwarzenegger you know you got a big stogie or something there i can see you doing that oh, no. that's all not right. me all right so not why me. don't you explain i mean i know you as um, a, a, a photographer, an educator. You've you've got uh, an amazing podcast. Uh, is it a podcast? Is it a show? Yeah, it's, it's a video show. It is. It's about to kind of go through a, a, a yet another transformation. You know how this stuff is. It's in a constant sort of state of reinvention. Uh, but it is a it is a podcast. This week in photo, thisweekinphoto.com for the folks that may not have heard about it, um, is the where the site lives that is currently being redesigned, and, and we're adding community and commerce and all that stuff into it for 2020, um, which is what is occupying my days most of the time now. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's just a it's just a podcast. Right now, it normally consists of me doing one on one interviews like this uh -huh. with someone like you, okay. you know, about photography or something that's happening in the world of photography. It could be, it could be, hey, there's a new drone out. What does this mean? Or it could be, there's some new legislation about drones or still photography or Nikon versus Canon or, you know, whatever. So, what, you know, so I, are I, you interviewing me or am I interviewing you? Like this could be either of our shows, right? Just This on. could be either of our shows. <laughs> I wish I could record. You're going to have to give me the file. Okay, we'll just we'll broadcast it widely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. How long, have, absolutely. how long have you been doing, the, and tw I call it TWIP, 
Am I the only one who this week in photography? Yeah, Twip. Twip. Yeah, this week in photo. Yeah, Twip. Yeah. So the uh, the the show. It's interesting. That's a good question. So I was trying to. All these other podcasts are doing like their their ten year anniversary birthday promotions and all this. We haven't done any of that yet. Mm. So I look back to find out when when is the actual birthday yeah. of this week in photo, and it turns out it is June seventeenth, twenty fourteen. That would be so June. Yeah, 2014. So, and we're we're moving into 2020 now. So we're not quite at our 10 year anniversary, but that's 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 the anniversary of the of me taking over this show and launching the site. The show had been in progress for about two years before that with Alex Lindsay and Scott Bourne right. hosting. That's what I thought. Yeah, Alex you remember? Lindsay. I remember Alex Lindsay. He was an like an ILMer or something. I knew him. Yeah. 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 Yep. Absolutely. He worked on Star Wars and all that. And he, uh, yeah, he started it. And then, you know, and then, you know, for a variety of reasons, they decided to, they didn't want to do it anymore. And, you know, and it, it didn't have that big of a listenership at that time, to be honest with you. And then, you know, I took it over. It was coincidental because uh, the time that they had made the decision that they're just done with this thing, they, you know, won't have anything to do with it. I got laid off from Adobe. Mm-hmm. Adobe laid off like, you know, hundreds of people in one day as part of this dot-com you know restructuring what team, what team I, were you on a photoshop yeah i was the the senior marketing manager for lightroom and photoshop for the uh, the professional segment mm-hmm. of the you know the business so it was a dream job for a photographer yeah you know for the most part you don't get to shoot but you know uh, but I got laid off and I'm sitting there, you know, at home licking my wounds and I'm like, okay, what's next? You know how it is. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. I like that. In, I, I really find those interstitial spaces really important. Like you feel like everything's great. You're at a nice level. You love your job, whatever it is. And then there's some disorientation and it's in that moment you grow. You either invent something new, you write a book, you create a podcast, you go take a lot of pictures. It's, and then, and then the next job is a, a different thing. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a reinvention opportunity. It was that I look at that layoff as sort of my, you know, I'm an analogy man. So it was sort of my, um, my asteroid hitting the Yucatan Peninsula, right? Oh, and killing the dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> but without that, we wouldn't be here. So I'm just, <laughs> it was destructive and dramatic and emotional. But, you know, hey, we get humans and other life forms out of it. All so. right. Good, good. So tell me more about TWIP. Tell me about the show and how it's evolved over the the four, five, six years that you've been doing this. Fun. Yeah. So it started as just an audio show, just an audio, not just an audio show, but it started as an audio podcast primarily, uh, which is, you know, for the most part, in comparison to live streaming and video, as you know, it's relatively low impact to record audio, you know, and, uh, and repeatable. So they were doing that for a number of years. And then if you remember this company called Google, you remember them? So, they did this. They, well, they, at the time, they released this cool thing called Google Hangouts. And we were like, hey, well, why don't we just do it on Google Hangouts? That way we can see each other and it'll increase the interaction, kind of like what we're doing now through Skype. It'll increase the interaction. You can make eye contact, et cetera. Um, so we did it like that for a couple of years. And then the, the obviously Google is Hangouts were plugged into YouTube which meant now we have a YouTube channel and all our videos are going up on YouTube along with the audio version. And then, of course, we know what happened to Hangouts. You know, for the most part, at least the consumer side of it kind of bit the dust. Um, but I wanted to continue pushing forward on the video side. So we continued recording. And it's been it literally, like, there's been an experimentation over the last several years, decade or whatever, of different tools, different software programs come out to let you do different things. Mm-hmm. Mics get better. Mm-hmm. People, you know, all these different things start changing. So my, the config I'm using right now is completely different than it was just a year ago. And, you know, because it's, you know, it's just, it's, everything just evolves and changes. And, and has the content changed? Have you, have you, uh, is there, how do you figure out the format of your shows? Is it uh, uh, just a person, whatever they happen to want to talk about? Or do you have something in mind that you're going to go out and you want to learn about Great question, great question. It, it, it started as the former, like this week in photography or this week in photo was, okay, let's look at, you know, it's time to do a show. You know, or it's time to write the show notes to share with the guests what's happening. So you go scour the web and find out, oh, Nikon li- released a new camera. Oh, you know, London is surveilling everybody. Oh, you know, all, this, <laughs> all these things. So you put that in the rundown, share it with people. 
And then we just shoot the breeze. You know, that's the, the smart people shooting the be- the breeze. The metaphor I like to use is like, you know, three or four smart photographers sitting around having a drink and talking about stuff that they find interesting. And you get to be a so, fly on the wall listening to these cool people discussing yeah, photography, I, whatever absolutely. interests them about photography. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's that's the flow or that was the flow. And then it sort of evolved into one on one interviews, which, you know, there's a there's literally hundreds of one on one interviews on this right now. You know, you can go back to the archive and find pretty much it's kind of a who's who, you know, you yeah. can go back and find people from way back when talking about what inspires them and what they shoot with and all that. The where it's going in 2020, um, just a, a slight sort of shift in the direction or the vector is it is I want to move more earnestly into live streaming and I want to bring on kind of like taking a page out of your book having a uh, a regular co-host on with me mm-hmm. versus it's the Frederick show and you know everyone else is the loose electron I want to have it yeah you know a and b and today our guest is you know Michael Rubin we're going to talk about droids or something right. you know i don't know <laughs> well i gotta say like uh when i started um putting this podcast together i remember um i was looking around for a co-host like i felt like my initial instinct was just to get a microphone and rant for an hour yeah. and like I, I knew i could do that i didn't think anyone would care but i knew i could do that and i was started i think i reached out to you i reached out to a few people who I felt were professional photographers or would bring who I knew we could banter with. It would be fun, but everyone was busy. Everyone's got their own agenda. And I went to a party and Suzanne was at the party and I, she was asking me, you know, I'd met her before, but I didn't know her well. And we were just chatting and she's like, what you up to? And I said, I'm trying to find a co-host for my podcast. And she said, I could do that. I was like, well, Mm -hmm. I'm looking for a photographer. That's my sense of it. And she said, wouldn't it be better just to have a regular person who wants to learn about photography and you're an expert and you can teach me whatever you want online or on the air. Yeah. And I thought, yep. and then I heard her speak and she just, she's like an NPR. She just sounds great. I mean, of course, anyone listening to the show knows she's, she's carrying the show, but <laughs> the Terry gross, the Terry gross sound, right? Yeah, yeah. She's just got that sound. Um, and just delightful and like a great improv partner, no matter which way the conversation goes, she can pick it up and we can just, we just talk, we could talk all day. So we did that for almost a year before we even had a guest on. We just were chatting. Wow. See, that's the magic sauce right there. Having, and that, I think, you know, the, the format, that's the format I want to move to having that banter where you could do a show with your co-host and have a third person, but having a third person isn't necessarily the rule. Right. So you and your co-host could just talk for an hour or whatever the length of the podcast is about whatever thing that is interesting that week. Or if it makes sense, you could bring on, you know, some highfalutin photographer or not highfalutin at all and talk about a particular topic and make it more interesting. So yeah, that's, that's kind of the direction I want to go in. What I found the hard part, one of the hardest parts is, um, and if your audience is listening, please feel free to reach out is finding that co-host, like finding, finding that magic. It's not only the magic of somebody that you get along with and can hold a conversation with and, you know, you have, you know, you don't have to have identical values, but you have similar, at least values. Well, you don't so want to be arguing every, I mean, maybe that right. would be entertainment perhaps, but yeah. I, yeah, you want to kind of be able to <laughs> yeah, like you're each other. Page. Yeah, but it's also someone that is reliable, yes. right? That I found, you know, that whole adage of good help is hard to find, you know, it, it applies to everything, including finding a co-host that you can rely on to be there consistently it's, week after week. It's hard. I mean, particularly the better the co-host, the more busy they probably are with their life and their job and whatever. And doing a podcast is almost always like in addition to whatever else you're doing. And right, so right. who who is regularly available all the time? For Certainly Suzanne is all was all over the the country. She travels for her job. She's very busy, and somehow yeah. she fits fits this in. I feel that's great. I, I, I'm very fortunate to have her, and I think that you can't have her. <laughs> well, hey, yeah. I'll be the judge of that. Okay, well, yeah, maybe. So <laughs> no, you'll have to talk to her yourself. Uh, but she's but you're right. If you find the right person, and then you can talk about whatever. I'd say lining up guests is also. Like I, I can see why that's a full time job for some at like TV shows where they're like, 
you got to they have a booker right you got a yeah. booker yeah you got to find someone like you have an array of people and then scheduling them uh, whenever you're av- like it's not when they're available it's when you guys are recording and of course we record erratically so it's it's it is crazy yeah i guess so yeah we, it's you know what i did you know being for the most part a one man band um, a lot of these things, in order to make doing a podcast week after week sustainable, you gotta you gotta introduce a fair amount of automation and technology into it, or else you will go insane. And what I did, exactly what you're talking about, what was driving me insane was that scheduling piece, mm-hmm. you know, and saying, hey, I want to have a guest on, and this guest is based in Australia. Okay, now there's time zone issues and there's this issues and there's bandwidth issues and there's all these mm-hmm. things. And there was a it turns out there's a finite uh, there's a few questions that I ask every person that to prepare me before the interview, uh-huh. right? And it's, you know, give me your bio, give me your headshot, give me, you know, 6 to 12 portfolio images size to this resolution for the gallery and oh, the blog wow. post, you know, mm-hmm. all those things I always ask. So what I did was I use a service, which you're familiar with called Calendly. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I use Calendly. It turns out with Calendly, you can create basically an ingest point. So if I send someone to a special URL that I've established for interviewees, mm-hmm. like I'm going to interview you, I'd say, hey, you know, we're at a cocktail party. I'm like, hey, you want to come to my podcast? All I have to do is say, hey, just go to this URL. And that when you go to that URL, I'll ask you your first name, last name, it'll ask you all the questions. It'll give you the opportunity to upload your images. And then once it has all that stuff, Michael, it takes that and drops it into my project management software. Really? So now, and it goes on my calendar automatically. So by me just, and I haven't done a damn thing. All I do is give you the link. Uh And then suddenly I say, oh yeah, Michael's booked himself for Thursday at 11. Great. Let me take a look at that. My notes that you've put in about because one of the questions that the that Kenley asks you is what are two or three topics that you'd like to make sure we hit on in the interview, right? So it asks you that, and then that gets put into the body of the calendar event. So, dude, you are you know, so much a couple more, hours before the interview. You are so much yeah, more buttoned up than we are. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I mean, we it wouldn't be possible without the buttoning up. <laughs> oh my god! Well, we somehow pull it off where almost like talking to you. I just sort of feel like. Let's get someone cool, and we will have a, a raw conversation. I have there's no agenda. I'm not really sure what we're trying to. I mean, sometimes we're introducing our audience to this person. Sometimes I have specific questions, and occasionally, I just want to talk about some other topic, like, are is, is film photography going away, or what do you think of privacy, or something? And and yeah. it's just a conversation about that topic. It's not you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it doesn't have to be formal, but 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 having having that sort of repeatable bed of information to look at for every single interviewee is golden because now I can just, you know, oh, I got an interview in an hour or two hours. Let me go grab a coffee. Let me read through this. Let me go to their website. And, you know, then I'll what I typically do is I take a little yellow sticky and I'll write down three or four different directions that I feel like the audience would want to hear about depending on who that guest is interesting you know like if for example if it's a guest that that runs uh safari photo safaris in africa right so what would my audience want to know well they'll probably want to know where where do you stay do you stay in tents or do you stay in five-star hotels when you're out there is it Am I going to get eaten by a lion? You know, yeah. what do you eat? And, you know, is you know, is it safe? All that stuff. So I asked, the, what do you pack? Mm-hmm. What do you take with you? Can I fly a drone there? You know, all those oh, different yeah. questions that you would want to know as a person just hanging out. And, you know, if you were considering going to Africa, you probably ask these questions. So I put those on the yellow sticky and I make sure I hit those. But part of what I've learned over the years is even though I've put in that stuff on the yellow sticky, that is just sort of a safety net in case I don't have anything to talk about. Because <laughs> normally, talk, talking to intelligent people, as you know, it's like layers of the onion. Well, you, you know, because I'm talking to you go. and then I'll find out. <clears throat> you could spin yeah, off in a million directions. Find out about neo-modern, you know, <laughs> if I'm talking to you, like, neo-modern, what the hell is that? Well, how does that work? Right. I mean, you know, you're in San Francisco, you know. So then we just start talking and it's way off in the woods at that point And, you know, you can rip up the yellow sticky at that point. Right. Hey, where, so, where, yeah, it's fun. where are you anyway? Where do you live? I'm in, a, I'm in a little town called Tracy, which is about uh, just under, I would say just under an hour from the Bay Bridge. I see. Just so, north, you're north, um, uh, like yeah, east Yeah, northeast. Bay. 
Yeah. Yeah. Northeast. Yeah. So yeah. And it's why am I out here? Because I don't have a normal Silicon Valley job that requires me to be within a certain radius of a tech giant. Mm-hmm. A <laughs> and B, uh, the housing prices are awesome. Yeah. Or well, it's still California. It's California, but, but not like the not, city where you want to die. It's not like where you live, buddy. So no. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you you can sell and buy a neighborhood where I live. Yeah. Let's just say that. <laughs> hey, so I have, I, I do let, let's um talk about photography for a second. I have a question, and I was yep. thinking about it even as we were chatting earlier. Um, an article came out the other day, and it was and I probably if if I was as buttoned up as you, I would have sent you this article so we could talk about it. But it was basically saying that there is sort of social pushback against photographers wandering around with DSLRs and lenses. They don't, people don't freak out about smartphones, but if they see someone with a with a lens at a, a out in the world, that they I don't know they throw rocks at them or something, they don't like it. They feel like it's an invasion. And that there is yeah. a sort of growing um, dislike or pushback against <clears throat> photographers with real cameras. Have you seen that? Is, yeah, is that a real thing? I have. We have. We've we've talked about that on the show a fair amount, and it is it's it's multifaceted, right? Because it's on the on the one hand, these smartphones are getting so capable that you know why carry anything else mm-hmm. right so that on a, from a photographer standpoint but from a from a from a, a let's call it a antagonistic standpoint the person that is accosting you as a photographer mm-hmm. with a proper camera and lens um for some reason i don't know where this is written but for some reason they figure if you have a camera with that looks quote professional and can take quote good images and you have a lens on there then then you're pro, which means you need some sort of credentials in order to be shooting in a lot of places. It's weird. And these security guards don't understand the law. Mm-hmm. They don't understand the law of if you're in a public place, you anything you aim your camera at is fair game. Anything you look at is fair game if you're allowed to be standing there. Mm-hmm. Even, you know, but then there's, you know, like we talked about this on the show during, you know, various, you know, different terrorist acts or whatever. It, with great power comes responsibility just because you can do a thing legally doesn't mean you should do a thing. Right. 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 I.e. go take pictures of government facilities and all that right after a terrorist attack in the United States. So, you know, what we say is like, you don't, you don't want to be the guy that's like, you know, well, he, he was right as they throw the dirt on your casket. Right. Right. (laughs) I wonder, you know, a lot of times I think that, there's the law, of course, about people in public places, but there is this sense where a lot of photographers get kind of self-righteous and do not recognize the fact that it is invasive to point a camera at someone. Just because it's legal doesn't mean it's not threatening to someone. And just because you yeah. know that you're an artist or you you have the best intentions, they don't know who you are and they don't know what your agenda is. And to, Correct. And to deny that that's people's experience of having a camera pointed at them and sort of posturing that I'm allowed to do this, you're in public, I think is disingenuous. I feel like photographers need to be more self-aware that what we're doing when we have this great lens. It's it, it, And also, the longer the lens, you're creating an asymmetrical relationship. I mean, if you have a smartphone or you have a, a, a Leica with a little lens on it, if you're taking a picture of me, you're standing right in front of me. I, you're you're going to inspire mm-hmm. my response to that, which is either it's okay right. or it's not okay. Right. But if I've got a an 800 millimeter lens, I'm on the other side of the thing, and I'm watching you through this lens. That's surveillance, practically. That's is creepy. That's a little creepy. It is. Yeah. Even if you're looking yeah. for something beautiful and artistic and capturing a street moment, it is asymmetrical. And so, I can understand the public sort of dis quiet with it it's not necessarily the image uh, resolution it is the asymmetry in the relationship yeah and it, and there's a there's a disconnect too that i think comes into play and that's you you know having a camera in a lot of situations acts as a passport mm. to being able to be in that situation and take photos and a lot of photographers capitalize on that enjoy that right it's like okay if it was just me hanging out as frederick some dude you know I wouldn't, you know, in certain situations, it would be uncomfortable. But if I have a camera with me, 
suddenly there's a reason why that guy's here, you know, mm-hmm. in infiltrating this world that he normally wouldn't be seen in. Mm-hmm. You know, and it goes for everyone, right? It's it, like, you know, allowed, you can get into different situations. Yeah, you're getting access partly because you have a camera and there's sort of this um, social contract, which is I'm going to let you in and you're going to report back what's in there for everybody else who's not allowed in. That's the, the, yeah. the deal that we're going to make here. You get to co- go behind the stage. You get to go talk to the president, whatever the thing is that you get access to. And you're yep. doing it for everybody. It's not just for you. Right, right. Yeah. But it's scary, though, because on, on the same time, if you, you, you have that mindset of, yeah, my camera's a passport. I'm, you know, I have, I have superpowers and you don't, so I can go over there and you can't. Um, but then you go places where you're not necessarily wanted and you still have that mindset. Mm-hmm. Like I, I recall a couple of years ago we did a story about these tourists, these two um, female tourists that were in L.A. and they decided to go to the, uh, what do you call it, um, Skid Row or some area in, in L.A. Where there was a, you know, a large number of, of homeless people uh-huh. or whatever. And they decided, you know, these rich girls are going to take their expensive cameras down there and photograph this because that's going to be interesting. And we're going to put it on social media. One of them ended up being murdered. Oh, right. Yeah. He by, didn't see that that didn't know, look like it was going to go well. Yeah, I mean, and you think about it like you're going to take pictures of me without my permission in my worst at my worst and share it with the world. Right. You know? And who knows what mental state I was in, you know, drinking or, you know, on some other substance. So you know the moral. The moral of that show was: a, don't do that. Right. B, ask permission. If you're going to take pictures of people like that, mm-hmm. ask their permission. And if it's somebody that's destitute, or in other words, in need, compensate them. You know, totally. and, make, and, may, and maybe you know? help tell their story. If there's something you're taking a yeah. picture, um, you know, people. There's that joke that photographs. You know, some people in primitive cultures feel like the camera steals their soul. But there's, it's not completely silly, you know? It is invasive, and you are taking something. Like when that homeless person is is lying there on the street, and you go and appropriate their image for whatever, that is taking something from them, and they need to give it to you. Yep. It needs to be done with uh, knowledge, and you need to either pay them or help them in some way. Yep. That this picture is going to better their circumstance and not just surf their pain for your amusement and some yeah exactly surf the pain or harvest the pain for likes right 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 it's <laughs> so, it feels you know. terrible i mean when you you look at that way I, I don't know if you heard our episode i talked to, i went to to burning man this year and uh, which is its oh, own cool. oh my it's crazy and i thought that i would take a lot of pictures i had no idea you were that cool that's awesome oh i'm definitely not that cool um but i can <laughs> but i can bluff my way through that but i brought my camera and I thought that I would be taking a lot of pictures because it's Burning Man and it's amazing photographically. And very quickly, it was like the homeless people on the street or something. It's like I felt invasive. I felt I was appropriating in this private, really special participatory culture of love and friendship and whatever. Here's this person doing. It's not that I'm just there uh, to, with my smartphone. The minute the camera's a DSLR, it's sending a signal that he's doing something more serious and we don't know what it is. And it's, I basically put my camera away. It just felt, it just felt wrong. Because yeah, people don't know. They don't know where, they don't know what, if they don't know who you are, they don't know, like, and trust you, mm-hmm. then you, you're just automatically suspect and you should be. You, you should could be, be from some, some nefarious magazine that's trying to, you know, show Burning Man in a negative light. That's right. You could be some rando person that's going to put you on some site that, you know, some far left or right wing site that you don't necessarily want to be on. Absolutely. It could be any of that, right. you know, especially right. today, because just just by virtue of you taking photos, whether it be with a smartphone or a mirrorless or DSLR camera, that's the beginning of the photograph's journey. You don't know where that photograph is going to end up. Right. It could be in anyone's feed and positioned in any way. And you're at Burning Man where people are literally letting their hair down and their clothes down and all in other kinds cases, of things. Yes. Right. Yeah. I could see how, you know, they should they'd be screening against that kind of thing. So I, I really feel like it's in, it's in the same food group as paparazzi who can yeah. stand on the law and say, hey, if you're out on the street, I can take a picture of you, you're out, whatever. But they're, 
uh, and they can really posture. I've seen some YouTube videos of people sort of getting into fights with paparazzi, and I generally support the the person being victimized by this. It feels like too invasive, but there's a fine line, and I think the photographers are a problem. You know, they are predatory. They're not quite Ouija where they're chasing ambulances, but there is something about it. And I think that photographer, if you're going to be a professional, and maybe more, if you're going to be an amateur picture taker, you have to respect how people respond to a camera, how invasive it is, that it is taking away, that just because it's legal does not mean it's either nice or enjoyed or respected or any of that stuff. Yeah. And you need to approach all those situations with some sort of um, humble uh, self-awareness of what's going on. Yeah, common common sense even. And and what we're <clears throat> excuse me, what we're primarily talking about is you know the the street photography or photojournalistic photography or public type photography, which is one genre, right? Yes. So if you if you want to avoid all that, shoot models <laughs> <It's> <laughs> you like know, in your or, studio. In your studio or landscape <laughs> or, or landscape. macro, there's all kinds of worlds you could get into without having to bug other people. Oh, I know. Right? And street photography, I mean, it's, it's its own art form because, yeah, do you want to go confront – am I going to walk up to that person and say, hey, can I take your picture? And honestly, I have no interest in walking up to someone and asking if I could take their picture. I will shoot it with a long lens or a, yep. a medium lens so I'm not in their face and I want it to be candid and I know what I'm doing, but I also don't want to interact with them. And if that's a problem or inappropriate, then I'm not going to take a picture. You're not going to do it. Yeah. yeah. It's just yeah. too... Yeah. And that's that common sense gene that that you have that, that a lot of people need to develop. You know, being able to either you know, uh, not be shy. And if you, if you need to broach the conversation with that person, broach it in a tactful way or a tactful and respectful way. Um, or don't take the shot. Yeah. You know, this go totally agree. Totally agree. I, um, sorry, small digression, but I'm just remembering, I think being on the podcast with you is my first podcast experience. Oh, really? Yeah. When we opened Neo Modern and you and I sat and chatted one day, that was on a on a TWIP show, right? Is that what that was? Yeah. Yeah, that was a one-on-one, yeah. Right. And I think I'd never experienced a podcast before that, and it kind of was the beginning of me thinking, that was cool. And now you were thinking, oh, man, if Frederick can do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, that was the other thing. That was the other thing I was thinking, yeah. But, uh, man, if that dude Loading can do it, fruit. I'm, I'm all over this. It's true, actually. It's true in a lot of ways. You know, the podcasting, as you know, is deceptively easy to get into, but hard to sustain and maintain. It is hard. Right? Like, you so, see a lot of shows that get going and have five or 10, 12 episodes, and, and I'm certain... I know that moment, which is like, what am I doing? This is ridiculous sitting around. No one's listening. No this one's, is a lot of work. You know, I could be doing other when I was yeah. When I was in college, I had a, um, a radio show at the AM college station. And um, I had the wake-up show. So I was on at f- 6 in the morning at college. So I'm nearly yeah. certain that I had zero listeners because who in college is listening to a radio show at 6 to 8 in the morning? Even my co-host just didn't show. And we I just ended up playing music in the morning. But it's that same feeling where you're sitting in a glass booth at your radio station and you're talking and you're thinking to yourself, I'm completely alone. Nobody's, nobody is paying attention to this. And with the radio, it's not even being recorded. It's just going out to no one. This at least has... No, I tell people, the people that, that have that same experience with podcasting, like, you know, I've done five, ten episodes and no one's watching. I got like 12 listeners and, you know, half of them are family members or whatever. You know, I tell them that's a gift because... You know, if you if you sustain it and, you know, provided you're you're putting out good content that people are interested in, the listenership will come. But that that built in no listener period is your time to mess up. That's your time to, like, get on stage in front of an empty theater not, and forget your lines. Not exactly, <laughs> because they're recording that. And so even if it you forget your recorded. lines, they, you, you have yeah. a much better show a year later. And then people go back and listen to episode two, and they're thinking, this guy's lousy. Like, they don't know the difference. They don't have that sense that we have that that was the first episode and our audio was totally botched, I think. Uh, I'm, I'm, it's more nervous that it's being recorded. If it was just a live show, maybe... You can do whatever you want. It just goes out into the world. So let's swing back to photography for a moment. You take pictures. You're yeah. a photographer. What? I tell do. me about your work. 
That's an interesting question because I haven't shot – when I do shoot – I prefer to shoot similar things to you that what you shoot. You know, I like to shoot or photograph people, and because I find that that portraiture, people, fashion, that sort of thing, those those type of photographs, for me at least, have the most impact on other people. Like if you get a good shot of, say, you know, a, a middle-aged woman, and she looks great in the shot, and you know. 10 years from now, five years from now, she's not going to probably look like that. She may look better, but chances are maybe not. And she's going to look at that photo and like, this is, I have this forever. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, the, then I look at like, okay, I could go to the Golden Gate Bridge or wherever and take a great landscape shot with the sunset. That shot's been done a gazillion times. Everything that's mm-hmm. landscape for my perspective, there are many ways to interpret it, but I just feel like Though it's hard to do a shot that hasn't been done, and then B, when you're done, you know who's going to appreciate it. Well, I right? think, so I, I would say other... I would say that like for me, that's the fun. One of the kind of the fun challenges of photography is to, and it's one of my themes, is to shoot the most shot. Whether it's a nude or the Golden Gate Bridge, these are heavily shot yeah. subject matter, and then ask yourself, what can I do to bring something to the table here what can i do that's a that's truly unique in this moment unique from my perspective from my experience that's different from anyone else's picture at this place even though i'm at the most photographed scene there is or the most photographed subject there is yeah like like but if you think about that i think about and i agree with you but i i I look at like say a golden gate bridge using that example um when i go stand in front of the golden gate bridge in my head i see a giant sphere around the Golden Gate Bridge with 20 million points on it. From each one of those points, a photograph has been taken mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. at any conceivable time of day and weather condition and all that. So, so you got to push yourself yeah, I know much harder. Probably, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's that's probably what it is. And maybe it's just laziness, but I'm, <laughs> I'm looking at it like... Maybe you know if I composite in a spaceship over this... Well, is, every, is it always <laughs> about... Is it always about... Um, some people don't care. Like I was talking to um, Nate Luby uh, last week, who's mm-hmm. uh, Nate is a wilderness photographer, and I wondered how do you make your pictures unique. And his response was interesting to me because it was like he's not trying to. He's trying to take a great, beautiful picture, and it doesn't matter to him if someone else, some other time, has taken that a similar-ish picture. He just wants yeah. his picture to be beautiful and great, and it's not a competition. It's not trying to be unique. And I think that that's a really interesting point of view. It may be more applicable to the general public than I realize that only only yeah. sort of hobbyist photographers are really out there trying to make their mark and do something that's like identifiable. Shooting, shooting for the light. Yeah, shooting for, you know, yeah. it's really me and no one else could do it and that's my picture. And other people just have a bar that says, I want a beautiful picture. I don't, you know, I don't care if other people have it or not. So yeah. I, I try to remember Yeah, I interviewed that. this guy once. I interviewed this guy that does, I have to remember, I'll send you, I have to find his URL, but he does um, one photo a week. I believe it's one photo a week. And he's a, he was a brand new photographer and he, he gave himself, and the show was about self-projects. Um, but he, he gives himself self-projects or he gave himself an ongoing self-project of, I'm going to create one photo a week. I'm going to learn something different about my camera Every week. So one week I'm going to learn shutter speed and this is a photo that resulted from that. Next week I'm going to learn about f-stops and, you know, how how the aperture affects the background and this is the photo from that. Nice. So what he does is, which you might find interesting, he'll do that, but he'll also, he has a YouTube channel as well, but he'll he'll record his process and narrate the photo itself and put copy. So he'll, he'll uh, uh, what do you call it, transcribe. Mm-hmm. His audio, so you get a text post, but then he, it's him saying, you know, I, I saw this flower and it was interesting. One of the petals was brown, so I decided that'd be my interrupted pattern shot for the week. And this is this was my thought process. I don't rec- know if it was right or wrong. How does he record that? Yeah. How does he do that? He record he records. Um, I'll have to send it to you, but he's he's basically narrating the photo after the fact oh so, so he's not, not doing he's a how-to of him shooting it's on no his, no no it's no. his post-production not, yeah he'll show 
I think he'll show some of his failed efforts and then what he finally ended up on. But it's not a how-to. It's not a tutorial. It's more of a diary. And he, is um, he shooting it himself? You know, or is someone shooting him? He is doing everything himself. Wow. He's doing the whole thing himself. Yeah, he's actually an instructor. He's a, an educator in Chicago. And, you know, this is just one of the things he does to because he loves photography, like you're saying. He's one of those people that just loves photography, doesn't really, you know, care if other people like what he's shooting or not. And he's just enjoying the process of and learning about photography and light and that sort of thing. Wow, that's cool. I've been hoping to figure out a way that I can shoot or to be shot while I'm out shooting and kind of narrate why I'm pointing my camera in a certain direction, why I'm, I'm composing something in a certain way. And then I also wanted to have the post-production part where like I'm going through the pictures and you can, you remember me talking about how I was shooting it and now you're seeing this, but I've yet to figure out exactly how yep. to shoot that and alone. Like I can obviously do it if I had someone following me around, but who's got someone following them around all the time, you know, and, and miking. Yeah. Yourself. I've seen people do it. You know, I, I maybe I've gone yep. too far in the direction of, I don't care about technology. Like I don't want to, like the, our show, we don't talk about new gear. We don't talk about software. We don't do anything even close to that. But of course, and I'm sort of woefully uneducated in like the latest new little gadget that does that and would make my life obviously better. Yeah, it's 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 a slider, right? I mean, you could you could, you know, on the one side there's luddite. On the other side of the slider there's tech nerd. Right. Right. You got to be somewhere. You got to be somewhere <laughs> in the middle sort of towards the Luddite level where you're not chasing the horizon of the latest and greatest gear, right. but you're aware of what's out there so that if there's some little widget or whatever that shows up, that's going to make your life exponentially easier. You're going to get home an hour earlier because this thing showed up. You want to know about it, right? Yeah. So you got to stay, got to stay educated. Do you, um, and maybe I don't, we shouldn't be sort of pimping other people's shows, but like, are there other podcasts in photography that you find particularly useful or good besides mine and yours? <laughs> well, yours, of course. Of course. Yours is amazing. Well, aside, um, yeah, they, excluded. Not a, honestly, not a whole lot. You know, um, I haven't been for, I think this is just sort of me and just sort of a, a, a you know, a quirk with my personality. But I try not to listen to other photography podcasts too much because I don't want to be sort of tainted by what they have to say yeah. or because, you know, you, you get polluted regardless. Yeah. If you if you get in the hot tub and somebody's in there doing something, you're going to get you, you're doing it, too. Really? Right? That's your <laughs> metaphor? Wow. That's that's where you went with that. huh? OK, <laughs> I could have took it far, but I didn't. <laughs> but you know what I have been doing, though? I, I subscribe to a, a crap ton of um of uh, YouTube channels, uh -huh. you know, and different different YouTubers that are that's where I get my sort of gear fix from and understanding what's new and the new new widget does this or whatever. So I get that from the, from a series of YouTube channels that I've subscribed to. One of the cool ones that I think is really interesting, you should probably check it out. It's this Canadian guy. Uh, it's called the the channel is called Camera Conspiracies. Okay, and this guy, this guy is like he's like the the anti-tech guy of cameras okay like he'll yeah he'll just like he's he'll curse on there he's just like you know the autofocus on this lumix is you know insert expletive right mm -hmm. he's mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's you know but he does it from a just like this random single guy in his two-bedroom apartment that's not doesn't have a girlfriend apparently <laughs> and doesn't doesn't really care about anything. He's just like, you know, they sent me this 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 S1, and this thing is too heavy. I don't see why anyone would shoot with it. You know, he's that wow. he gets that sort of unvarnished. I'm not an affiliate opinion on stuff. I see. Yeah. I wondered. I always thought that um, I was going to corner the market on grumpy old man, just to like be unhappy about all the devices and things you got to learn. And the you got another 15 years before you can, okay. you know, call I'm but I'm practicing. <laughs> You know, I'm working. You got to pace yourself for this stuff. You got to start yeah. young. You got to start young. You got to start young to get it right. Yeah. Um, well, this is awesome. I mean, we could clearly, we never really run out of things to talk about, do we, Fred? We, I, I never do. I never do. <laughs> we could talk about computers, cameras, technology, WordPress, drones, whatever you want to talk about. I forgot you were yeah. Adobe. Would you uh, give me like a, a little bit about who, how you got to where you are and who you are? I mean, I know you were in the military at, for a 
part of your life and yeah. and now you're a photographer and you were at Adobe. I was at Adobe, but we didn't overlap. You I was yeah, at doing yeah, Peach yeah. Pit books and were you at doing Peach Pit books at the same time? I did. Uh, I like, did. Why don't you fill us in a little bit? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I'll give you the the the, the ele- that elevator thing that I just kind of blew over mm-hmm. earlier. Mm-hmm. Um so I started my photographic career in the United States Air Force. Uh, as a combat photojournalist, I was in there for eight years, and that's where I sort of got bitten by the, this stuff is cool bug, mm-hmm. you know? It's kind of a mixture of technology and psychology and chemistry. Did and they train phys- you? Did they train you of, like, how not yes. to get killed when you're taking pictures of things in All combat? Of it. Yeah, yeah. They even, they even train you on when to take pictures or when to shoot versus when to shoot right oh, really? so, would put the camera down and pick up a gun exactly really? exactly wow. yeah yeah there's a whole ethics course that you have to go through is all this stuff you know as a, as a photojournalist and we're air crew qualified so we had to go through pilot not pilot training but pilot survival training so there was there was ground survival water survival where you have to stay alive for three days you know it was all kinds of stuff we had to go through um, and then it made me what I am today, you know, for better or for worse. Okay. Um, then when I left the, when I left the military, I'm condensing this way down from the from the Forrest Gump version. <laughs> um, yeah. When I left the military, came to Silicon Valley. This was kind of at the beginning, sort of. You know, we could see the trajectory trajectory of the dot com explosion. I came here as a web designer, sort of webmaster person at San Jose Mercury News. Mm-hmm. Remember them? I do. So yeah, yeah. So I was working in that building, and that was my first job out of the military after eight years. So, uh, you know, I was just like just absorbing everything. Um, I started seeing all these stories about this little, you know, sub one hundred person company called Yahoo. You know, and they're like, they're right over there. They're like 10 minutes away from us. And all these stories kept coming out about Jerry Yang and David Philos doing this thing and millions of dollars of this. And, you know, and I, I remember one day, um, I forget how they did it, but I think I had my resume up on monster.com at the time. Remember that? Mm-hmm, I do. So I was on monster and I got a call from some recruiter at Yahoo and, you know, they were throwing around salary numbers that were larger than what I was making and this weird thing called stock options. And like, I'm like, what's a stock option? <laughs> you know, do I want that? Do I care? Mm-hmm. I literally had to call my dad up. I'm like, dad, what's a stock option? Do I care? And how do I, do I need a lot of them or whatever? So, so did he know, say so yes? He said, yes. <laughs> yeah. We, we talked about negotiations and, you know, salary level versus stock options and, you know, how much you trust the company mm-hmm. and yada, yada. So we talked about all that. So I ended up ultimately going over to Yahoo. So I stayed over there for a number of years um, uh, as a producer, what they were calling them at the time, which is basically a product manager. Mm-hmm. So stayed over there, and then Yahoo spun off this project, which you I don't know if you remember this or not. They spun off this project called Finance Vision, which was it was you could still find the videos on on YouTube. Finance Vision, and basically what it was was a wannabe CNBC, but streaming. Hmm. But it was streaming before streaming was mature enough to be streaming. Right. So, I mean, it was fraught with a lot of like, okay. Bandwidth issues. You know, we're trying to, you know, some people are getting a 320 by whatever stream and other people are getting 640. But, for, right, you know, yeah. it was in that era. But the the concept with sound and it was, was sound and Yahoo poured millions of dollars into building studios, so they built they built full on studios on campus, you know, for us to play in. It was new. It was like the morning show, That's, you know. Sounds great. <laughs> so it sounds like a great time. To it been was there. great, and I I got to be the tech reporter. So I was like, I remember I'll send you a clip later. I did this video where I'm talking about this. Um, I forget what it was, but it was an MP3 player. This is pre. I think it might have been pre-Apple iPod or just around that era, but it was this giant thing with a horrible UI on it. And it, and I, I remember walking around trying to show how amazing it was around the campus. So it was basically like CNET type stuff. Cool. Uh, so uh, left there and joined Apple. So at Apple, I was, yeah, I was on the iPhoto and Aperture team there mm-hmm. doing you know, and that was kind of me wanting to get back into photography and into the world of photography. Felt like I was 
slowly drifting away from the world of photography, having been a web designer and now I'm a producer and I'm doing this stuff and I haven't touched a camera or anything related to photography forever. So, you know, went over to Apple, uh, stayed over there. Then I left Apple, took a job as a VP uh, for a startup down in Santa Monica called Amped Mobile. So hmm. you may remember them. And, well, you Google the commercials. You'll see them. Um, Amped Mobile. And the Amped Mobile's problem was they were developing this, this cool new concept called a cell phone that you could put games and other content on. It'll never take off. <laughs> I totally... Well, yeah, never, yeah. But this is iPhone. Then Apple launched the iPhone and boom, yeah. literally desks were gone and it was just gone. Um, so I came back to Silicon Valley, joined Adobe as a, you know, we talked about a little bit before as a, as a uh, senior marketing manager for, for the uh, professional segment of Lightroom and Photoshop. And then twip and here I am. So, yeah, and then hey, the move from line. the move from a yeah, the move from Adobe to Twip was you know, the after that layoff, I was thinking, you know what? What if what if I apply what I know about marketing and internet culture and, you know, all these things? What if I take those and apply them to that raw, this raw material that is this week in photo and build it into a bona fide media property. Let's see if we can do that. You know, it's at least something to do while I'm laid off until I go work for Google or Microsoft or something, right? right. So awesome. Never ended up never going to work for Google or Microsoft, obviously, and here we are. Well, I'm glad you did that. I think you've done a great thing with Twip, and um, congratulations on years of that. Hopefully, thank you. We'll figure out. Um, we'll, we'll, hopefully, all of our podcasts will thrive in 2020 and keep doing fun stuff. I really appreciate seeing you. Uh, it's been a while, but it's always good to hang out. Yeah. And yeah. Likewise. Thanks for having me on. I know we were batting back and forth trying to get it scheduled. And I think the last communication before the, before yesterday I was in Hawaii and I was, I was not in any kind of podcasting. I would think I was at the, at the pool. Yeah. Well, not that you can't podcast from the pool. Come on. You're, you're a consummate professional. Yeah. All right. Yeah, just after taking my chair in for a dip, I was like, yeah, I don't know. All right. Well, Fred, thank, thank you for, for joining uh, for joining the show, um, and I will see you soon. I'm going to do my wrap-up. Um, our show is recorded and produced in San Francisco and Tracy. Uh, go to neomodern.com slash podcast to get show notes, see photos, and post comments. Please leave reviews and ratings on iTunes, and don't forget to subscribe. We get new listeners from you telling your friends and spreading the word. If you know someone who might get something from us, send them a link. Thanks to Fred for joining us today, to Mitchell Foreman for our theme music, and for all of you for hanging out with us. We appreciate your attention and hope we've given you some things to think about. Until next time.